Well, I love cooking. I love eating. I love talking about food, and that is my job. And I think that when I talk to a lot of people in the in my life, a lot of them are really happy with their jobs, and a lot of people aren't, or they don't talk about them. I I am one of those lucky people that love what I do. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Over the last 15 years or so, the new wave of Australian dining set the culinary landscape on a new path. Now, another new dawn is approaching where the alumni from those kitchens are bringing a new aesthetic and expression to the restaurant industry, and the impact is very exciting. Elizabeth Mitchell is the head chef of Alberto's Lounge in Sydney. Elizabeth, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good. It's good to get you on the show. You're... um, leading the team at Alberto's Lounge, a really exciting venue in Sydney. Well, what's it, what's it been like? Um, it's, uh, I just love working here so much. Uh, I've learnt so much over the last three years. Um, we've got a great little team. It's a very sexy restaurant that I'm very proud of. <laughs> um, it is. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. <laughs> well, the, the, the Swill House group of have this amazing knack of creating the sort of venues that Sydney didn't know it needed. What's it like working with them? It's great. I think it's um, it's wonderful that um, I know that you can grow within the company. Um, it's That's really important, I think, for people. But um, I just really like their aesthetic. I really like – I'm really proud of all the venues that they, that they own um, and I think that's important to work somewhere that you're proud of. And that you want to go to as well, you know? You don't want to just work there and not visit. Tell us a little bit about the food that you're cooking um, at Alberto's Lounge. We we make fresh pasta every day. Um, we, we're really produce-driven, so um, seasonally-driven produce. Um, um, I love our Carfajani, uh I gelato machine. That make that that is like one of the coolest things we have in this kitchen. Really, I'm very proud of it. Um, so at the moment we have like a queen garnet plum sorbet and a pistachio gelato. They are incredible. Um, you, it just, you can't go wrong with that. It's beautiful. I tell it I love it every day. That machine. Um, but we we go we go all across Italy. Really, we don't just stick to one area. You, you mentioned um, about seasonal produce, and it's a real um, big part of what you do in connecting with um, producers. Is, is there any sort of key producers that you deal with um, that you can tell us about that are really important to what you do? Yeah, I just got I just got on board um, Parisi Australia um, last year, um, and they're wonderful. They work with a lot of different producers across Australia, um, including like Romaro, um, which are in based in. Uh, Victoria, and they started uh, um, producing a lot of different Italian varieties of, of lettuces and vegetables that weren't ever grown here commercially, um, which is wonderful for me. Like things like uh, Tadevo di, di Treviso um, and um, other vegetables that are, yeah, that are just the quality is so high. Um, they you know they they 
they pick it all on Wednesday and I get it by, by Thursday, Friday, and it's just premium. So that's really cool. I love working with them. I want to explore um, some of your cooking techniques and dishes um, that you're doing there, but take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family growing up? A huge part. My mum was such a thrifty cook. She just she cooked every night and uh, it, I think it really started with her. She We used to watch cooking shows together um, daily, uh, and like especially Two Fat Ladies. I grew up on that, you know, that was just such a big part of my life. Um, I've got all their cookbooks. I love them. Um, and Rick Stein. But um, uh, she, we used to go to the library and um, rent Gourmet Travellers because I, th- I think she told me it's because she didn't want them to let to- to collect dust at home but I think she just couldn't afford them which is really sweet <laughs> so we used to just hire them um, monthly and read them together um, and for and we used to photocopy all the all the recipes and keep them in a big cookbook um, in the kitchen wow that's amazing yeah she's the best we used to, also on Fridays we used to go to Haymarket together buy lots of dumplings and and herbs and then she would take all the prawn heads from the freezer and make a laksa with them that was really she's she's yeah she's really cool <laughs> so i think it started from there yeah i think it started from there from there to be honest well that's an incredible foundation to start from tell us about the first steps that you took into the industry um, when you thought that a career as a chef was for you i went I, I was living in Perth for a bit and I worked at Simon Johnson for a while and then I really, I just, that gave me a lot of knowledge um, and I, and then that was when like people like Adrian Uzumbo and things like that, MasterChef and things like, things like that were happening and um, I kind of, I really wanted to get into pastry. So I came back to Sydney, started my pastry chef apprenticeship um, and yeah, I, then it, and then I went from there. Take us into that kitchen. Pastry is such a, um, uh, it's such a definitive and um, precise um, craft. What, what was it like starting with that? Um, I think it's, it was, um, I think it's a, I think a lot, I think a lot of people would benefit from actually starting out in pastry because like you said, how precise it is. And um, also it's a, it's a lot about problem solving. You've got to like, um, you've got a lot of problems to solve, including freezes and um, um, deep freezes and things in your deep freezes that are like, I'm sorry, blast chillers that are like, you know, very hot and you've got melting ice cream. And I think it's really, it's very stressful, that job. It's longer hours, I think, than anyone else. And um, I gained a lot of experience just from my early roles at restaurants. Um, Invaluable. I really love that perspective about problem solving um, and, and that approach. Is that something that's been a feature with your with your craft now that sort of you approach it as a as problem solving definitely i think it's like i think my whole i think it's benefited my whole life really i think like especially as a head chef it's it's all about problem solving <laughs> like you know like i i kind of like get off on solving a problem <laughs> i'm pretty good at it as you were building your career what were some of the really important venues and people that helped shape who you are as a chef um Definitely, 
I mean, I've taken a little bit from all of my jobs. You know what you what you want, what you who you want, who you want to be, who you don't want to be, what, um, how to treat people, how you want to be treated. But um, I've really, I've really benefited from um, working with Passy, um, and um, he was wonderful. I worked with him at Acme for a little bit, and I just loved his attention to detail and all just his drive like I will just like we'll just chat for hours about oh what about like strawberries and celery or something like that like we'll just talk about strawberries and celery and and like different combinations of things and that was like he's a huge influence for me um uh and also working with Annalise Gregory was wonderful um her food is is incredible um and Dan Johnson, to be honest, he is just at John Pepino's. He is so cl- he works so clean out of any chef I know. He's the cleanest worker, so tidy. He cares so much, um, and that was invaluable working with him. You mentioned that you take a little bit from um, different places that you work. What, what do you take from your time with Passy? Um, I think just like I referenced with Dan, just a, a attention to detail and caring about your a caring about the food you're producing, and but also just like like wanting to eat and talk about food and and wanting to cook for people. And that sounds really simple, but it's true. Like these chefs, they love eating, they love talking about food, and they care so much. And I think that's what I really took from Passy. And also he has fun with it as well. Like he's very serious because you need to be, but also he's he doesn't take himself too seriously. You, As you mentioned at the top of the show, you're cooking um, dishes inspired from all over Italy. When did you first sort of start a foray into Italian food as a chef? Um, that would have been at... Uh, I mean, it started at Acme, really. I mean, it wasn't, you know, strictly Italian, but we, Mitchell was the first person that allowed me to make pasta on my own. He was like, just go and do it. And he just threw me in the deep end with that. And you're making like seven pastas a day. um, And it was wonderful. So that's where it kind of started. But then it really, I really took a lot more influence from Dan Johnson at Don Pepino's. Um, that menu that was awesome. We, you know, we change it every two weeks, which I would love to be able to do. Um, and he just took us around the whole of Italy um, within that year or so that we worked there. Um, he's wonderful. <laughs> what, what is it about Italian cuisine and, and what's, what's your approach with it? What's sort of important in getting sort of dishes right with Italian food? Mm, they just have to, I mean, it sounds simple, but they have to just be super tasty and it's, and there's nowhere to hide, I think, because they're so simple. A lot of the time they're so simple that it has to, those elements have to be per- to be perfect. You know, it's like a tomato. It's like there's no point in using or a piece of beautiful melon. There's no point in using something that is, you know, subpar. You're not going to get away. you're not going to get away with it at all. You mentioned you've been with the Swill House Group for um, a couple of years now. How, how did um, 
you first sort of crossed paths and, and joined the group? Well, it was straight after lo- the first lockdown and um, uh, and Dan – so we so Dom Pepino's closed, sadly, and um, Dan wasn't really looking for a job, Dan Johnson, and, and I pushed him to take the head chef role at, um, at Alberto's so that I could get a job. Um, and I knew, and I knew that he would eventually leave as well. So I was trying to set myself up <laughs> for his role. <laughs> A cunning plan that paid off. Well, yeah. um, <laughs> um, take, take us into the kitchen there. You sort of touched on sort of what you're doing there. Is, is there a dish or two that you have on at the moment that you could talk us through, um, about how you make it and why it's so special? Well, yes, I love the uh, – we have a duck ragu on at the moment. Um, it kind of started – it kind of starts off as like a ragu, uh, a ragu bianco, uh, and, but I use a base of um, anchovies, garlic, and guanciale or prosciutto offcuts that are min- all minced up together. You render that all down um, and then, and then uh, you add um, – Reduce white wine, uh, duck mints, um, uh, bokegani with marjoram, uh, thyme, sage, bay. Uh, and then you cook out all of the meat low and slow, add some duck stock, and then at the end you finish with milk and uh, some cinnamon and nutmeg to get that, those Venetian spices going. And then I finish also with some duck livers just at the end. So when they turn the heat off, I just throw those in raw and they just set. Um, I love that. That sounds extraordinary. It's beautiful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got one more, which I love at the moment. Um, it's called Mini Descent Agata, which which is a Sicilian pastry, which means – which it literally translates to St. Ag- Agatha's tits and it's shaped like a breast. And so you find them all around Sicily and um, they look, they're usually like a ricotta filled um, pastry that's coated in usually like an icing, a white icing with a glacé cherry nipple on top. Um, and so years ago, this, um, this chick's Agatha, um, she was uh, – asked out by this dude and she denied him and so he like she he cut off her breasts and um she walked around the town square with them you know she's depicted walking around the town square with them on a plate and so she's now the patron saint of sicily and uh that pa- that pastry is named after her so i've done a version of that um that is um pink and pretty and has a glassy cherry nipple on top. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing story. I love it. Yeah. Uh, tell us about stepping into the role as, as head chef. What, what was it like for you? And um, were you surprised by what, what it takes compared to being part of the team? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. I'm, I'm, I feel like it's where I should be. Um, but it is, uh, it, you know, like you're, a lot of the time you're, you're dealing with different personalities and um, problem solving and um, that is that's really hard sometimes. Um, so, and I, I think it's really difficult at the moment with 
a lack of chefs. You know, there aren't a lot of chefs around. Um, it's they're slowly coming back to Sydney, but it was tough for a while. So that has really um, been really difficult. But I also um, I, I love it. I mean, it's what I love doing. I get to come into work and chop vegetables and like cook cook meat, and it's really fun. So. Um, yeah. It's it's an amazing little uh, venue tucked away down a side street and you wouldn't know it's there unless you know it's there and the kitchen is tiny as well. Um, what's it like focusing and dealing with such a small kitchen and not being sort of lost in the energy of the room as well because it's such a um, it's got such an energy as a as a restaurant venue. Mm, I think it's really important to have that. I love hearing um, the the crowd outside and um it's it's very difficult our kitchen I'm not gonna lie um it's it's uh luckily we got some um storage space upstairs and some fridges upstairs which saved us over Christmas that was incredible but last year when we had Danielle Alvarez and Roisin call do a couple of nights with us um we had to get in a like a um a refrigerated van to store our whole or our whole cool room, and they, that was that was stored at head office, and so we could have a whole um, cool room filled with their stuff, which was pretty stressful. But um, we make it work. I don't know how. Sometimes I'm not really sure, but we make it work. Well, 2023 certainly feels like a different year to the last few that we've had with sort of peak COVID and the hospitality and turmoil compared to now, like has that whole sort of experience changed your approach to your craft or, or personally? Uh, definitely. I think um, I've had to, we've had to all kind of rethink um, what we are going to eventually do with our careers and that's why I think uh, 10 Hats kind of came out of that which was um, straight after all this straight after the second lockdown I think it was um, uh, a few friends and I started to rethink our careers and you know this is before I went into this role but I mean still we just you know um, so we just started this little um kind of like one-off event dinner party slash party thing I don't know how to describe it um that we that we run every few months and um yeah well um 10 hats bistro uh yeah it's amazing what you guys created tell us who's involved and what 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 it actually is so we've got um myself uh Ella Stenning who it takes care of wine. Uh, Madison Costello, who is our accounts and producer and um, events extraordinaire manager. Um, and she's in advertising and she's a DJ as well. And Anna Ugarte, who is a wonderful chef. And, and what are the sort of um, one-off events that you're doing? Do you, do you have an example of one that you can tell us about that sort of exemplifies um, Ten Hats Bistro? Yeah, we did a um, at Poor Tom's um, Gin Hall. Uh, we did a um, Ibiza Day Club, where we just had we had like a instead of a red carpet, we had a pink carpet, which was really cool. Had a, a lot of DJs, and we just did like this kind of like island 
a beta club themed degustation of food and a big pig on a spit and um, just had a great party. <laughs> it was wonderful. You, you mentioned Anna. We've had her on the show as well. And she's like you. She's part of this new wave of um, amazing chefs that, is, that are taking Australia into another uh, direction. What, what does it feel like sort of being part of that wave? Do you feel an obligation? Is there a pressure in that? Uh, I do feel a lot of pressure with that, but I think it's a good thing. And um, uh, it, it gives us drive to do events like we do with 10 Hats t- to make Sydney fun. Like that's why we do it. We do it for ourselves, but we also do it for everyone else because I think that Sydney needs those, you know, fun things. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a long year ahead. What, do you have any plans for the year for, for more events or for what might unfold with Alberto's? Yes, we do. Um, it's very hard to do them because we're very busy, but um, we've got a huge list of ideas that's like, there's like 50 on there. So we just pick and, sh- yeah, it's about like when we get together, we just start saying um, great things and stupid things and trying to like mash them up into into <laughs> ideas. Um, so I know we want to do like a big, cool R&B club night, like a, 2000 R&B club night. We also want to do a, a kind of like diamonds and pearls themed thing. Not sure about that yet. Um, and we want to do one called club sport, which is going to be um, very cool and maybe set at one of those marital sports clubs with big DJs and yeah, big DJs and tennis outfits and strawberries and cream themed things. <laughs> Well, uh, you're doing amazing things there at Alberto's Lounge. What, what do you love about what you do? Well, I love cooking. I love eating. I love talking about food and that is my job. And I think that when I talk to a lot of people in the in my life, a lot of them are really happy with their jobs and a lot of people aren't or they don't talk about them. I, I am one of those lucky people that love what I do. Well, there's a lot of people that love what you do as well, and it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today. Um, Good luck with the year ahead, and um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.